This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two Barties and a Bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden. Bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. I'm excited because we're all caught up on Riverdale Season 6 now. We've officially joined the Survivors Club. Uh, but again, first, it's news time. And we have, I guess, sad news. Michael's wrestling with this more than I am. But I mean, by the time like 2023 rolls around, I'll probably be sad. Um, but The Flash is ending in Season 9. It's that announcement you knew was coming and you were ready for, but you didn't realize how unprepared you were until you hear it. Um, the Michael of Earth CWS would be like, what is wrong with you right now? Why are you so <laughs> emotional? But, um, you know, uh, the show has been with us for so long. It's hard to imagine a world without it. Um, it did literally change the world as far as superhero content goes. Um, it feels like it's inevitable. A lot of people would argue Michael of Earth CWS would also argue that it should have probably ended two or three years ago. But that's just down to creative choice. It had to end sometime. And part of me wishes it had made season 10 because it got so close. And I'm not sure anything ever will again. But yeah, it's the end of an era. I think that's the best. It's so cliche to say, but I think that's the best way to put it. That the ending of The Flash is the end of an era. And not just because it ends The Flash, but because of the connotations that has for the potential end of the Arrowverse as well. You know what and I like about this announcement? What's what? That? It's 13 episodes, which <laughs> makes me very happy that that could happen for Riverdale too. Fingers crossed. Uh, I mean, that's the silver lining for me. I'm sorry, Michael. I know it's your favorite show, but... <laughs> uh, I mean... I guess 13 episodes sounds about right because there was rumored that um, Grant Gustin signed a contract that had him at a 15 episode cap. Uh, so giving them a, like a, a, a nice uneven 13, which the CW has liked to do before previously, makes sense. Um, and they start filming in September, so it is Superman and Lois. So we will be getting behind the scenes footage. Perhaps that's when I'll start getting sad. Um, I am still reeling from season eight and all of its unholiness um so so uh but i think michael you're right it is the end of an era i think like as far as the og era verse goes seeing it go out like this is sad um you would have thought had they not canceled um batwoman and legends of tomorrow that we would have had one last hurrah with everybody um this the way that it's been done feels like we're hobbling over the finish line and for a universe that did change the landscape of television for superhero, the superhero genre. It's, I don't know. I want to say it's offensive <laughs> and I, I am just going to say that it's offensive. I think as a fan, like feelings are, are a little hurt in that regard. Uh, but I mean, we have to move forward. There is no choice in the matter. It's happening. Oh, without a doubt. But I think the thing that gets people the most is that if you look back at this time last year, Supergirl was still on, Legends of Tomorrow was still on, Batwoman was still on, and obviously The Flash was still on. And now, just in a year, even in less than a year, Supergirl ended in November, in less than a year, 
Supergirl's gone. Legends of Tomorrow and Batwoman were cancelled. And now The Flash is ending. And it just feels like, what happened to this universe? Did Thanos just snap it out of existence? Like, where did it go over this last six months, seven, eight months? It's just, it feels like the end of an era. But the fact is, it's not. it doesn't feel like an end. We can celebrate it. almost feels like it's dying a slow, mm-hmm. painful death. And we have to sit and watch it just be removed from existence. And that doesn't feel right, considering all the shared universes that followed. We know what the MCU is on the big screen, but it feels like the Arrowverse was that on the small screen. And just in the last couple of years and months, it feels like it's gotten murky and we we can't really talk about it because Superman at Lois pulled an I don't know her and uh, just completely removed itself from the equation. So it just, it feels like it's definitely the end of an era, but I wish it was one we could celebrate more. It just kind of feels like it's, as you said, crawling towards the finish line at this point. And adding salt to the wound of this network they're also they also lost the vampire diaries universe so it's like this network that we've known for what a decade now it's like arrowverse is gone all the vampires left the building we're just like starting over we got the walkerverse maybe that's all we need (laughs) (laughs) the walkerverse they canceled the nancyverse um and we have we have the All-American. We do universe. have the All-American verse, yeah. Yes, but there's all this is disparate. There's nothing that sort of like <laughs> looks like the old CW because no. the All-American universe is new. So it's not like we've been living with her for for years. Um, I know it's sad. This this new era is just they're like um, out with the old and with the new, with no respect to what came before. And it's disheartening. And then when you think about The Flash season nine and Eric Wallace has 13 episodes to give us a tight story. If he decides to give us a tight story, I don't know how they're going to divvy these up into graphic novels since that's the way he likes Mm -hmm. to do his storytelling. He did say that um, when asked if Barry and Iris would conceive one or both of their children before before the end of The Flash, he's like, I hope so. And I was like, sir. How are you hoping it's your sh- it's your show? How are we hoping you can just decide? It's not like he doesn't have creative control, right? Um, <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, I feel like this announcement means that has to happen. There, I, I, mm-hmm. I I was excited about the possibilities of what season nine could hold for Barry and Iris, and now it's kind of annoying that it it has to go the predictable right here. There's nothing more we can do here. If in order to wrap the flash up, this has to happen. Of course, it could just be a moment in the season finale, knowing them, like a little tease here and there. I would not put that past them, I'm telling you. But uh, I feel like in order to wrap it up, it has to go there. And maybe that's taken some of the excitement as, oh, what could season nine be about away from it? But it has to happen. There's, there, there's, no, there's no other place it can go. If any leftover Arrowverse stories, particularly Flash stories, have to be dealt with. It's in the season. And dare I say, 13 episodes might not be enough, but that out of the way, I'm looking forward to hopefully one, I don't want multiple graphic novels, one concise 13 episode story to close the show out as it deserves. Yes. Yes, please. I mean, that this, I'm like, please just focus. <laughs> you have 13 episodes. It's to stay on the track because they have so much to do anyway. I mean, we're not going to get into it because it ends up being an entirely other podcast. Um, but it there's so much to do that I really do hope that they get into the writer's room, they break the story, and they're like, this is what's going to get done. That the other stuff will seed in that, that that you don't have to have like a five-episode arc for. And then they go off with a mighty finale that doesn't look like Power Rangers, and we say goodbye to the Flash. 
they just need a little focus. And I think, I hope, I hope the announcement is what they've got. I don't want, they have a great opportunity here now to wrap the story up. And some other Arrowverse shows did not get that opportunity. They may have had a little bit of warning, but they didn't have the whole season to tie it up. The Flash has a whole season to tie up all of its stories. And I hope there's no, I don't want to know what Seal can do with their goofy co- floating coffee cups. Just give us a, a start to finish. And I, um, I, I got that reference. <laughs> 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 you'll make a flash fan out of you yet <laughs> just oh, <yes>. good luck <laughs> um oh i do have one wish though for the flash season nine that has nothing to do um with any of the storylines we really want and that is i do not want mia smoke to come only because she's going to be there for like your story if we only have 13 episodes mm-hmm. we Give her a mini, like give her a movie. I don't know what Kat is up to, but let her finish somewhere else because The Flash doesn't have the range to do it right now. They have 13 episodes. I know. I've seen someone had a brilliant idea and it's unfortunate they don't have enough episodes. I saw someone online suggested that they do another five episode event at each one of those episodes is with a particular Arrowverse character or, or group of characters from a story that never got wrapped up. So do one episode with the Legends, do one episode with Green Arrow and the Canaries, do one episode with... Black Lightning or Painkiller or the Wonder Girls one that never went ahead to try and wrap up all the loose ends left over because this is their last chance to do it and it's a great idea in theory but we don't have 22 episodes to play with here. The Flash needs to tie up its story when it only has 13 episodes to do it and we know how they can mess up a long season and we don't want them to mess up a short season so it needs to be Flash focused as much as I would love to see some of the other stuff wrapped up. Yes, yes, yes. And just a, it's not a pivot away from the flash, but it is an update about the writer's room. Because um, we do ask the question, like, do they have women in the writer's room? So they have had, we all did a little bit of research and they have had women in the room um, from the beginning. Uh, but there was a YouTuber, um, Adora721Lux, who pointed out uh, Jess Carson. Jess has been a writer on the flash from since 2020. Uh, edited a story editor on 20 episodes a staff writer at 18 and has written four episodes those four are pay the piper growing pains raya de Luce, and reckless growing pains was the episode with um speed force nora when she moved in with mm-hmm. west allen and then reckless was the episode where iris went to coast city mm-hmm. yes yes an interesting couple of seasons we've had, haven't we? I'm trying to remember. I, I think I remember all of the episodes. I remember Raya Deleuze. Yeah. Season seven and eight were interesting ones. They were. But only two of those episodes were actually had Iris um, in the A plot, I believe. Because Raya Deleuze's Allegra story. Mm-hmm. That was the one. And the Piper is Pied Piper, is it not? Yes, I like that one. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Ugh. It's easier to pick out episodes that Iris wasn't in the air story than it is to pick out episodes that she was. That's true. That's God, it's so sad. Every time we dig a little deeper into the flash <laughs> and you break it down, it's just like they messed up so bad with mm-hmm. her character. Hopefully they do her justice in season nine. I really do want to see Iris do some investigating. We can hope. 13 episodes, get it right. Yes, yes. Which this is just to plug Riverdale again, as Reed has said. 13 episodes of Riverdale. <laughs> that is what we, we would like. Um, but, so we might as well just move into like the Riverdale portion because we have three episodes to get through that we're probably going to end up popping all around anyway because all of the story is uh, connected. I will say my catch up was 
it was funny to me because <laughs> I had seen the finale first and then watched it back. So now I understand why baby Anthony is grown in Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching it that night and I was like, this is the one reference Sabrina might not get right off the bat. But of course they had, they had to throw big Anthony in there just to lead the viewer by the hand. <laughs> so what did you think of the two episodes before the finale? I thought so the one the Riverdale one with all the hopping for through the multiverses I thought that was fantastic mm-hmm. um Tabitha and Jughead it I love them but I also love when they, they're a part of figuring everything out and so seeing like Cole Sprouse get to play the different Jugheads was fun um I really love the Ethel moment at the end where she's just berating Jughead um, and he's like, look, I had to call her. I had to save her. She's like, you are still in love with her and you messed it up. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Riverdale jug. It's okay. Um, and uh, I don't know if we necessarily needed to see the ancestors in um, Colonial Riverdale, but I did like the twist that Percy's from Riverdale. See, I'm confused about the that episode and I've been waiting to talk about it because I didn't want to ask these questions, but I'm confused how there's three jugheads. Like why is there a bunker jughead? And then why is there a Riverdale jughead? And also this is not related to that question, but it kind of is where did Ethel come from? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to cast my head back to Riverdale, And if I remember correctly, there was a jughead in Redder, but they needed a separate jughead for the story. So they decided to have two versions of the character. I literally think it's as simple as that. I don't remember why why Riverdale why Rivervale has two jugheads, um, but they can but they can be brought back to life in that universe. Am I right? Didn't Archie kill narrator Jughead and then he came back to life? Um, meanwhile, other Jughead had to write for all of eternity in the bunker, which is why he's going a bit insane when we finally catch up with him because it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Um, and then that means now that real Jughead shows up, there are now three Jugheads. Um, crisis of infinite Jugheads. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, I believe they actually used the term crisis once as well, at multiverse. Um, Return to Rivervale was a great episode. And I remember me and Reed were so excited about it. And we couldn't wait for you to see it. Um, I'm glad you, you feel the same way. I still don't know why Ethel was in it. I know, remember she had something to do with in the, was it the 100th episode when they talked about the universes colliding and they were going to collapse in on one another. Was she either responsible for it or she was trying to stop it? I can't remember, but that's why she's still in it. I don't remember her. I don't remember her being in this season before this. (laughs) She was, she was in, so she helped Rivervale Jug figure out what was going on. Um, She had been working with, Doyle she'd been working with Mm -hmm. Doyle but he was like a like a evil villain and I think she's the one who took him out before he could take Jug out and then like in the science lab they're both figuring out what's happening and then so she explains to Jughead based on I guess some of the information that he'd already gathered what happened so like she she's the one who saved Rivervale because she's the one who came up with the plan and then she at the end of that event she and Jughead were both in the um the bunker I believe it yeah I believe at the end of that they were both in the bunker but she gets to leave and he does not so I guess she came down in this episode to check on him and found out he had screwed everything up <laughs> <laughs> like, I love that Ethel's just always around even though we don't see her she's just always there somewhere yeah. I wonder what she's Riverdale Ethel is up to yes I wonder what Riverdale Ethel is up to because I cannot remember the last time we saw her 
I assume she's dead. Is she not dead? I have no idea. It's not the same yeah. Ethel? <laughs> That's Rivervale Ethel. Oh, see, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Multiverse. Crisis of infinite Ethels. <laughs> I don't know. I, that's a Google for me then. I thought she had died. People die and come back all the time. So perhaps she's living her best life outside of the town. Um, which reminds me, this I don't think this was, this line was was in the Riverdale episode, but um, in fact, I think it's in the finale, but when when uh, Veronica's sitting on the couch and she goes, I should have never moved here my sophomore year. I was like, girl, you grown. You came back to town. <laughs> I know. I was like, you chose to return to this place. <laughs> <laughs> it threw me. I was like, "You, you have not been here the entire. Like, you left. You went to New York City, and like, I'm with back. her. I agree. I'm like, that's true, but also, that's not the truth, Ellen. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they forgot about the five years in between, didn't? They? I guess so. That or just we just want to really um, make her entrenched in the town of. Um, of Riverdale, I mean, which is fine, but a better line there would have would have been great for me. Um, what else in Riverdale? I don't know. I really just did like all the time hopping, and I liked um, I liked the way that they uh, the effects for Jughead's portals. I thought mm-hmm. it was really cool. Yeah, that came that to me felt like it came out of nowhere, and yet I totally went with it the whole way. The fact that Jughead can go from reading people's minds to opening portals to alternate dimensions—it's a bit of a hop. But like again, with Riverdale, you don't really, you don't need much. Um, yeah, it was nice. It was cool to be able to see him do that, and I feel like that they kind of went a long way to. Obviously, Archie was the physical threat to Percival. Jughead was actually their secret weapon because he had all the like mental powers he could wield against Percival, and the fact that he didn't know about that one ultimately came back to bite him. So yeah, it was nice. It was nice to see Jughead get that because I feel like when the season started, he was the one who had lost his hearing, and everyone was like, everyone got superpowers, and Jughead got uh, injured. So. What was, what was his superpower? And it, it ended up becoming probably the most powerful of them all. That's true. I mean, I guess we should have assumed that, though, because if Jug, if anyone is going to be elevated in a way, it's always Jughead on um, Riverdale. Not that I complain, but um, it is. It, of course, he'd be among the most powerful, though not the most powerful out of the group. That designation belongs to Cheryl. Icon. That I, moment in the finale was Madeline just like killed it the whole episode. It was her episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, Scarlet Witch. Yes, yes. <laughs> I know. I've been dying to ask Michael what he thought about her her Wanda moment. <laughs> I was sitting watching it, and then I was like, "Hold on a minute!" A witch, all in red, rising into the sky with pyro coming from her hands. Like, Stop me if I've seen this one before. Um, but no, I have to say. This isn't Marvel. I'm not expecting that level of effects. I don't expect like dark holes and crowns. But what I did love about it was that Cheryl got her moment and I was totally on board. I feel like I feel like it was a full circle moment for Cheryl because if you go back to season one, the Blossoms were kind of treated like these rich outcasts in that they were there in the town, but everyone like shunned them. And even, even those who, even her f- friends were always careful and cautious of what Cheryl thought. They would try to exclude her from things and keep her out of it. So I think to me, that was probably the most poignant thing about the finale was that they all needed her. They all came to Cheryl and Cheryl was the one that ultimately saved the day. I would have liked if the finale sat with that a bit more because Cheryl was going all Scarlet, which was like two minutes left. So there was no time for aftermath. But what a moment that was. 
I know people are dragging it online because they're like uh, CW does Marvel and obviously the effects don't compare, but um, seeing Cheryl get to be, have her Scarlet Witch moment, iconic. And I'm glad it was her out of all of them. I mean, it worked for me. I'm not a Marvel fan. We know this, but it was clearly a reference. Like there's no way around that that wasn't a reference to Wanda. Like it had right. to have been. <laughs> and like, I don't think it was a ripoff. I think they're just honoring that character. Like they have their own redhead witch that's morally ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I didn't think the effects were that bad. I mean, I, just, I, I mean, it's Riverdale. I mean, that's not what we're here for. So I thought it was good anyway. Same. I don't, I mean, I don't, why would you expect a Marvel budget on a CW show? Uh, there's really no, I don't think there's any reason to drag it. It was really nice. Mm -hmm. If you're going to drag anything, it was that last minute song. Not that they didn't sound (laughs) nice on the track, especially Lily. Lily Lily always kills it when they give her something. Um, But that last song, it came out of nowhere for me. It's like, oh, we went musical. Okay, one last song. I was like, do we have time for this? I kept checking the time. I was like, what's (laughs) happening? And I wasn't on board with it until it got to Cheryl and Madeline just like brought it home with her performance and like, the tears in her eyes and everything i was like okay now i'm in it because before i was like this doesn't why are we doing this yeah. and i meant to look up what the song was and i didn't so apologies to everybody but um it was a really weird decision that's the thing with riverdale when they started doing musical episodes everyone's like why does it need to do this because it had so many musical performances before but if you look back to the years the show's more grand at years it was always archie with a guitar in front of a microphone or he was rehearsing in one of the uh, school rooms classrooms but now that we've gone past the musical era and we've had our musical episodes they're doing musical scenes in non-musical episodes and that kind of stuck out for me i was like whoa if they had them on stage in front of a microphone totally would have bought it but it was a very bizarre moment especially when there was only like what five six minutes left of the episode and betty and archie were in bed it was so awkward when they got to betty and archie and i was like oh okay everyone else is having these nice sweet like family moments <laughs> i mean no shade do what you need to do but like the world is ending in four seconds <laughs> it was funny like i was like oh okay and then like the fact that like betty has to sit there and then sing to archie for a, it was a really long time i know he was just sitting there like stroking her hair and like relaxing i was like does kj have any lines in the song <laughs> And then it came, but he has like, he's like two lines and it's just Lily again. Yeah, he harmonized like, one singular time. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I wonder if that was awkward for KJ and Lily. How many takes did we have to do? Because she's literally just laying on him, like serenading him. As everyone, like you said, Reed, has nice family moments and are fully clothed. <laughs> they just gather around the table. Yeah, I mean, it, it works. It was just like, oh, okay. So that's what they're up to now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but speaking of Barchie, of course, there's the Barchie engagement, which I screamed about. Uh, I believe in like one of our chats, I was like, I don't think Betty's going to say yes. I don't think she's in a place to say yes, but I hope that she proposes to him. And then I got it all in one episode. You did. <laughs> I mean, technically, we weren't wrong. I, I had a feeling when they did the proposal scene and showed it in the trailer that it was going to be a no. But it was, it was a pleasant surprise that they turned it around and then had it be a yes before the end of the episode. And regardless of whether you're Barchi, Bughead, whatever, I do really like the fact that they turned it into a story 
story about what Betty wanted. And mm -hmm. I'm so tired of Betty and her darkness. So it was really refreshing that by the end of the season, they had Betty choose the light. And if that's Archie for her, I'm on board with that. that that's a character moment for me. But no, there's a character moment in general. It was just, it, it signified a lot of growth. And I'm not sure we had an awful lot of moments in the season leading up to that because per Betty was haunted by her darkness right from the get-go. But it, it, it paid off in the end. It was nice to see that. And it was nice that Archie is that light for her in that like uh, endless darkness that Riverdale provides her. Also nice to see Drake again, even if it wasn't how we were hoping. But all in all, it paid off. Okay, two things. First, I also think that the whole engagement thing is a good character development moment for Archie because he always acts on impulse. He's like, okay, the world is ending. I want to marry this girl right this second. And she's like, pump the brakes. You're not going to propose to me just because you're afraid that we're all going to die. Like, that's not how this is going to work. And I think the wheel started spinning in his head. I don't know how much of it stuck because then he still got up and was like, I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen. I was like, Archie, can you just like <laughs> take a breath and realize what she's telling you? Um, but I do like that he didn't have the control in that situation. He got to, um, I don't know, learn a little bit that it doesn't always have to be like right the second, everything that I want right now. It can be like mm -hmm. on Betty's terms, which was great. Mm -hmm. Also, Drake. <laughs> she, I, where do I begin? Like she wants Betty to join the serial killer unit and Betty's like, I'm, I'm, I've moved on. So I don't know why that was, was that an important moment for Betty to be like, I'm closing that chapter of my life and I'm not going to, to flirt with darkness anymore. Or is that like another tease that Drake is something more than she was? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think um, I am hoping because we have, they've been final seasoned that if Jake was supposed to be somehow tied to TVK um, in some fashion, being a serial killer herself, that we have deaded that and we just sent her on to the serial killer unit and we've just closed off that storyline. It won't be expanded, even if they had plans to expand it. Um, and instead, that moment between the two does allow Betty to grow past her um the word I'm looking for her tendency to go towards darkness because darkness somehow ends up being easier for her uh, than choosing to be in the light. And so in this case, she chose uh, happiness. Like she, but I, I guess with the pressure of I only have so long to live, like why would you be like, yes, I'll join the Sierra Killing Unit? Like, why would you keep making the same decisions? Mm -hmm. So it was nice that she pivoted away from what she would usually do. Like she's not gonna run, she's gonna stand here and decide her future, whether that's with Archie or it's not. And she chose it for it to be with Archie, but she still also could have just stayed in town to be with everybody, even if she hadn't said, Will you marry me? But Betty hadn't even been doing her job for like a while so how is she getting like a promotion like she just stopped working right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, she's betty cooper I just, <laughs> like, just get, um and i guess the greasing the wheels of knowing somebody i guess i would assume that drake uh pulled some strings well i'm hoping that that was drake's last scene and there was we were all reading too far into her character because i can't my it wouldn't feel right in my spirit for TBK to be mentioned in the final season. Like we mm -hmm. don't need that in a third season. Right. <laughs> no, yeah. We said it's spelled from five to six. If they were going to do there and they are go there and they can't now, whatever, that's fine. I mean, like uh, Riverdale has a lot of unanswered questions, but if that has to be one of them, I'm all right with that because I don't want to see that story again. It was handled very, very, very messily. And 
we don't need it again, particularly now. I do think Drake was supposed to signify Betty's darkness because remember that there was a serial killer convention. I believe I just said those words at the serial killer <laughs> convention. Um, Archie couldn't stomach what he was watching, but Drake knew that Betty could. So Drake wanted to stay with Betty and say, look at this. I respect you for who you are and everything. So it was up to Betty to choose which version of herself she wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. It's nice that finally, after all of this, we're heading towards the light. That was one of the few things in the finale that felt really series finale-ish to me. So I I hope, even though we've hit the hard reset button, I hope that still is a through line in season seven. I was wondering if that whole TBK storyline was less about like a mystery, like who is it? Is this someone that we know? And more about um, Betty, like actively choosing to put that behind her and... I don't know, because it just felt like the way that they abruptly ended the TPK mystery with just being this random dude who was obsessed with Betty, which I guess is more realistic than it being another person in her life. Um, It just feels like that whole storyline, maybe the purpose wasn't to be a mystery. It was just for Betty to learn something. It's possible. I do wonder if it was they were in the process of writing it, they were trying to choose whether they wanted it to be a real thing or if they wanted it to be growth for Betty. And then the growth for Betty part just um, won out. And then they just closed the door. I'm fine with them closing the door. Yeah. I mean, they exiled Drake to the Zoom call and that is where she should stay. <laughs> like, which is <laughs> as soon as like Betty closed the, um, the laptop, I was like, oh, please say that's the end. I know. I thought that they were going to, I was fully bracing for like a cut back to Drake smirking or something. And <laughs> I'm thrilled that we didn't get it. <laughs> and it's funny, Michael, that you say it was giving like series finale. Cause I wonder if they were kind of prepping this to potentially be an ending of the series, because it, there were a lot of moments that were giving me series finale, like Betty or not Betty, uh, Archie reflecting on his dad, mm-hmm. Veronica reflecting on her dad. And I know like you think about those things with the end of the world, maybe not that any real person would know that um, because we don't have to fear the end of the world as often as these people do. But it did kind of feel like if this had been the end, it could have been the end, even with the time jump in the end. I think it could still work as a series finale. Mm-hmm. At least for the show. Like I, if they had ended us on the, in the 50s and Archie just walked in um, to his mom telling him that James Dean died, totally on brand for the show. End of oh, it, yeah. like yeah. the end of oh, it, yeah. and we were fine. Even if the show had gotten cancelled and that was the end, and I was like, it, it's a bit like the Legends of Tomorrow end, but not so much. It's like, yeah, with this show, you would totally buy that. Definitely, it feels like it all begins again, especially the fact that they're back in high school now after the time jump went so far out of its way to grow them up. It definitely could work as a series finale in a tongue-in-cheek Riverdale kind of way, and it would only kind of work for that show. I'm kind of glad that it's not, though, because... I mean, I know we've been dragging the season all year, (laughs) but if I don't think the show, it would have been the best move for it to end with this huge supernatural season. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. we do need one last hurrah again. I'm going to say at 13 episodes to really ground it a little bit more because I mean, to go out on such a big, big, big change for a series be kind of like, I don't know how we got here. Can we kind of like wrap it all up a little bit? So in that sense, I am glad that this was not the end as much as we're all ready for this to be over. 
Yeah. And now like the wanting it to be coming in the fall to 2023 for me has shifted not because I just want to get it over with, but because the 50s storyline at least looks like it's going to be really intriguing and to see how they get back to their Riddell we know and love. I think by the end of season six, they stuck their landing for the most part with a lot of their ambitious writing. I don't like that we had to suffer through quite a bit uh, before everything started connecting. I think they did so much better. The stand-in isn't, the the stand isn't my favorite episode, but the ending of it as the penultimate episode where they're all, they use Riverdale's gang and Rivervale's gang to overpower Percy. I thought that was amazing. The way they shot it was beautiful. Um, if that had been the the season six finale, I would have believed it. It would have been great. Like I love what we got instead. But I there it feels like they knew what they want, how they they knew what they wanted to get to. They didn't always know how to do the middle. Mm-hmm. And I think that's again back to the whole idea of simply just having too many episodes because there was a lot of good in that storyline. It just got so convoluted and so messy along the way. They'd like meander in different directions, do the odd standalone episode here and there when the standalones were pretty good. But it just it got it, it lost its way throughout it. But I'm very glad it find found its way back to its uh, the, the end game by the end of it. There were some twists along the way that weren't necessary. But all in all, those last three episodes really raised the game. I'm not sure it's enough to raise season six out of last place for me, but all in all, they really raised the uh, the stakes, they raised the intensity, and more, more importantly, they raised the standard of the season for me. I'm fully expecting to rewatch the season. And as I've said before, I think just to you guys, like, I think I'm gonna like season six more, especially now knowing where we ended up. But that's the thing, too, with these longer seasons is that the big thing doesn't always have to happen at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they could have done this sooner and not like meandered with like town hall meetings that did nothing. That's mm-hmm. true. Also, as a villain, um, Percy was not my favorite. The actor was giving uh, it his all, but he just didn't seem like a villain that should have been around for the whole season. Uh, no. This- felt very convoluted at times even his ending which i did enjoy him getting um tossed over to cypher mr cypher um by tabitha but i was like sir if we had cut you your arc down by five episodes perhaps the story would have been better Mm -hmm. you know what i hate though this is a trope that i cannot stand in television shows where they're like explaining um like the mystery or like they're answering the questions and there's at one point when alice is doing her interview with percival where she asks a, a loaded question and he goes, not yet. All will be revealed in time. And I'm like, I, that's the, the, the line in any show that as soon as I hear it, I want to throw something against the wall. It drives me insane. Like, don't say that. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> and the funny thing about that episode is we finally got the answers we needed. It, that made Percival a much better, well-rounded villain. But I know you and me talked about that before, Reed in that a lot of it happened through dialogue. A lot of it happened through exposition. He spent half of the episode telling us what he did. And it was really weird because the first part of that episode had those really unusual flashbacks. And again, you can say on one hand that they weren't necessary because we literally had one scene and then there was no more. 
So it's like they wanted to have their cake and eat it almost. They opened with the flashback and then wasted the rest of the episode telling us what happened instead of giving us more more visuals. Of course, we did get to see some of them, but it just felt like an awful lot was through dialogue. And like, why did we have to wait to the third last episode for this? Why couldn't we have had some more backstory? Because they've teased Percival being this immortal creature long ago. Wasn't it in that episode where Tabitha could time travel? She found out an awful lot about him and the, the, how the Holy Grail was supposed to be that like talisman in Riverdale. And like, a lot of that stuff came up earlier and then was dropped. So for it to come so late in the game kind of did a disservice to it because it was a really good story. It just took an awful long time getting it out. We could have seen more things from his point of view. Like we, he was in most of the episodes. Like we could have spent a little bit more time with him learning about his backstory instead of him just being mysterious and everyone being like, we don't know what he wants. And then we find out three episodes to the end of the season. Um, I don't know that. I mean, I guess you learn as you go <laughs> on these kinds of shows. And I wish we would have known his motivations sooner. Um, but yeah. I feel the same, especially because the motivation seems to, not the, some of the plot would shift to fit what they needed to do next. So like, I feel like we, we waited so long to hear about his story because we needed the twist that he's actually from Rivervale. But you could have seeded his story before us finding out that he's from Riverdale well throughout the season since we already knew he was old. Uh, and then the there's the, the one point that did like bother me a bit was like the back and forth about Pops and Pops being the site of the battle. But they were told that it's not the actual diner he's concerned with. It's the land. So why did you need to, like, why did they have to have that whole sequence where they put pops back together? If it's the land, it doesn't matter if all the seats are in the diner. Right. Yeah. I didn't really get that either because it felt like they pivoted and flipped back and forth over that. They said how pops would stop him from building his train because of the ghosts that were in pops. And then it wasn't pops all along. It was the land he needed. Like, so where did the ghosts come in? What was the point in that story? It did felt, it definitely felt like they flipped back and forth over that. See, yeah. when they were explaining all this, I was like, oh, okay, I'm with you. And now that we're talking about it, I'm like, maybe I wasn't as <laughs> <laughs> maybe it didn't make as much sense as I thought. <laughs> I think they just t- were trying different ways to get to their end game. And it just and then they would cut off lines that didn't work. So the ghosts even appear in the stand as well, but they do nothing but stand there. Mm-hmm. And then we don't return to them. <laughs> we, we have no last moments with these ghosts um, by the end of season six. I'm pretty sure they're just there when um, Jughead's having his great last stand. And then they're, we don't see them. They're gone. I think a lot of the issues, again, to go back to it, was the fact that we didn't get to see things from Percival's perspective. So they would, the only time they could actually use their villain, it was for a, we're going to beat Percival. Cut to Percival, I know what they're planning. Insert evil laugh here. And literally it was the same rinse and repeat over and over again. Percival came across like a very cartoon villain. And I love cartoons. I don't mean that in that sense. He came across like a very one-dimensional villain, even though we had that wealth of backstory under him. So I feel the fact that they left it right to the end to tell us that hindered the season a great deal. Because when there were stories about how the, the ghosts were going to stop his train, why was he building the train? You never really understood why he was doing it until the third last episode. And even now, knowing, I'm sure watching it back, maybe you'll be able to, put the pieces together this show was written for television on a weekly basis so if the first watch of it doesn't make sense if the first watch of it reduces your villain to a cardboard cutout mission failed if you know what i mean 
Mm-hmm. And my question now is how much of what we watched will actually matter in season seven when they get back to the current timeline? Like we know that no one has powers besides Cheryl now. Did hers go away when she defeated the comet? Like what's going to happen once they all kind of snap out of their 50s days? Mm-hmm. That's my question going mm-hmm. into the final season. It is. A, it's it's interesting that only Jughead knows what happened. I mean, of course, only Jughead knows what happened. I mean, that he's always our through line into the next to the next part. But I do wonder how they're going to shape the story around him trying to get everybody to realize what's going on unless he doesn't want to. I assume he's going to focus on Tabitha, one, because he's in love with her, but two, because she was cryokinetic. And if they are, if since Roberto did say everyone's going to have an understanding of some kind of their emotional connections, even if they don't know why those connections exist, uh, that those two would sort of be our beginning of how we get back as they try to bring everyone onto their side. But it's really up in the air right now. I mean, we're crying about James Dean. So (laughs) I I wonder if we're going to get like a moment, like once the couple start to get back together, like if we're going to get like, if Betty and Archie kiss and when they kiss, they're going to get like a flash of a memory of like the present. And they're going to be like, what was that? Or if, if, because he, you're right. He did say something about like, they're going to have like those emotional they're going to know but not know and they'll have like that emotional memory maybe mm-hmm. so that's what i'm kind of thinking but i don't know if it'll be that easy and what's I'm also sure it'll be much more complicated oh, oh. knowing knowing the show <laughs> <laughs> without a doubt especially if there's more episodes to play with i am not manifesting that by the way um, <laughs> um but the thing that's interesting about jughead being the one to remember is they're back in high school things are like they were in season one and they did that very weird thing a few episodes ago where he started like having those like memories of his feelings for Betty even though they've been very clear that Betty's moved on so I wonder now that we're going to a very nostalgic final season will they play with that one more time before giving us the final who's the end game Varch or Barche or Bughead if you know what I mean I like I regardless of what way it goes I do feel that they will feel the pressure to pay tribute to all of the couples since this is the final season I think they'll Feel, tri- feel pressure to pay tribute to a lot of the previous show since this is the final season and I am going to brag I did call it that the final shot of season six would be Archie putting back on his Letterman <laughs> jacket with his old classic hairstyle and that's exactly what we've got I didn't oh, call did it call it I didn't call time <laughs> jump but I did call that and um, this show was all about nostalgia and it has one last chance to dive deep into that pool of nostalgia more so than it ever has and I think that will be beautiful I just hope it it pays tribute to all of the show that came before and by all of the show that came before I mostly mean season one because this is a chance to end how it started and I would really like to see something more in the vein of season one as we go on wait I have a question because one of the things that I really want to know is why Betty was crying when Archie looked across and saw her in her window but did she have she had her ponytail right yeah, she did. Think, yeah. So we got one season of Bob Betty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lily, I'm sorry. <laughs> the headaches are back. Uh, <laughs> unless it's a wig. Unless we they go with the wig right. <laughs> oh no. I'm hoping it's just like a ponytail and they put extensions in the back. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um 
I do think there'll be a lot of old looks. I, I know that interview that uh, Roberto talked about how Cole Sprouse said he never wore the beanie again, but he's absolutely down to wear the crown. So we're definitely going to get classic comic Jughead. But I am excited to see what some of the other characters look like because Riverdale's leaned into the whole throwback nostalgia comic looks before. They did it in the 100th episode recently. So will they just go for the predictable looks or will characters look totally different? I'm also really excited about the fact that we may have Molly Ringwald more often. I, ho- I hope she's as regular for the final season. I really do. Yeah, me too. I was so excited when she just like randomly popped up and I was like, oh, Molly, please stick around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would love that. I think like, I mean, Archie needs that Archie, Yeah, he needs to have a parent. And that's another thing we were talking about. I don't want to get too deep into it because it's a, it could be a headache, but what the parameters and the rules are now that they're back in time like they made that comment about before jason's death is that just like a li- like literal like on the timeline they're back to before jason was dead or is he going to be alive because then that brings up a lot of questions about which characters could be in this weird 50s time reversal time um, rewind i think he's going to be alive and i say that because if they're going to do a throwback to the comics then you need to have jason blossom with sarah blossom in a very sort of cute twinsy thing that they do down the hallway like that doesn't mean he'll stay alive like i assume that the 50s timeline is going to get darker and darker um the more they start becoming aware of the fact that this isn't their correct timeline Uh, but we'll start very sweet and innocent to answer your question about who what betty's crying about i think that's a giant poster of james dean on her wall so i believe she's crying over james dean and that's what alice is oh i thought alice was like giving archie a dirty look but he did i mean she did but yeah maybe it's just like stop looking at my daughter's room (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't know you can never predict what alice is feeling so no um i hope alice gets a good final season um, because uh her kevin and there's one or two other characters i'm missing but they always get like lumped into whatever's the the narrative dictates so i hope now that we have like 13 episodes to work with at least we get a solid story for them as well and with it being set in the 50s a lot of things in riverdale's current status quo aren't as acceptable as they are in Riverdale's current status quo. So I think the time difference will definitely come into play, particularly with characters like Kevin and Cheryl. And on the Cheryl note, does do we know she still has her superpowers? Are the people she resurrected, are they still alive? You know what I mean? Is is If Jason's there, is it resurrected Jason, who she burned alive last week? Or is it actual Jason? You know what I mean? <laughs> so many layers. I have a feeling they're not going to care about our questions and they're just going to do whatever they want <laughs> continuity whatever <laughs> and what they so he's he roberto did say that it'll have continuity and that we'll see what that even means i'm assuming so i'm just going to get into a ship conversation i'm assuming that all the the three big ships that they that were in the finale with um betty and archie getting engaged Tabitha and Jughead spending their entire life together in Pops, which, by the way, beautiful sequence. Oh, my like, God, it was cute. It was absolutely amazing. gorgeous. Uh, and then the the road back to Choney was built uh, mm-hmm. between, like, I, they felt what their ancestors were doing that night. They're like, I don't remember things. Like, you clearly remember something that happened. <laughs> right. uh, and then, the, of course, the flashes back to Tony when Cheryl was stopping the comet. So we're going we're going back there. Roberta did say that he talked a lot about Tony and a lot about Moose and Kevin because they are going to navigate 
actual 50s issues mm-hmm. uh, for the LGBTQ characters. And he didn't bring up race, but I'm assuming it's going to be there uh, mm-hmm. because you have the two interracial relationships. Yes, if you count Shoni, if, if they're mm-hmm. if they're doing the road back to Shoni, mm-hmm. then yes. Uh, I don't know where that places uh, things though. Not that the show cares that much about things in Tony because it's not that well built, and they keep having her be uh, Cheryl's soulmate. So I assume somewhere in the fifties timeline they'll get we'll deal with the things issue. Perhaps I'll still be Baby Anthony's father, and then we'll circle back to Shoni. The bughead of it all, though, I do need my Bargies to brace, not necessarily for an endgame, but because besides the um, the comics, when Percival's going into Jughead's mindscape, there's a giant picture of Betty, high school Betty, right on the wall. You can see Tabitha on the left side, but she's kind of blurry, but you can see Betty. She's in full focus. So I was like, oh, no, <laughs> we did this twice. Which means where it is, it's definitely coming back in the high school era. That might be Jughead learning to move forward, but they also had Tabitha standing there when Ethel was berating Riverdale Jughead for calling Betty because he's still in love with Betty. And Tabitha and Jughead didn't talk about it. And I was like, "That's strike number three. We're going. We're going back in the final mm-hmm. season. They're doing it." I can see some some tug of war, definitely. Yes, but. It has to be Barchi, right? Because they're like engaged. And wasn't it always in like when he was imagining his life? Wasn't it always Betty? Didn't he have like a a memory of his wedding or something? Or like a he saw his wedding? Was it Betty? That was Veronica. Oh. That's yeah. why the, the Barchis were upset about <laughs> about his line in um in the Rivervale event where he said, My dad would be so happy to know that I'm marrying you, Betty. And they were like, your dad was in the dream with you when you were marrying Veronica, but now all of a sudden it was Betty. And I was like, yeah, it's, that was season one though. And they like to move away from things, but we're go. I think we're in some capacity going back to Bughead, even if it's just a little bit, or if it's just Jughead dealing with his own feelings. It's really funny that you should say that because remember my comment way back when, when we were all much younger, um, but, and when I said that Barchi happened in the third quarter, and usually when that happens, there's a switch or there's a pivot back in the fourth quarter, and now we can confirm that this is the fourth quarter of Riverdale. We're about to he- end it, head into the final chapter. Um, so yes, I do agree that before the story ends, we will see Bughead tied up once and for all, whether that means endgame or whether that just means a moment of weakness. But then when the Jabatha moment happened, in the finale, I was like, there's no way they can move away from this, right? Um, well, I mean, like now they've pulled the Barry Allen and completely reset the timeline, so they can move away from it if they want. But like, it's the board is wiped clean now, the slate is wiped clean. They can do whatever they want and come up with a logical way of explaining it. But it's interesting. I didn't peg the Betty poster. I didn't see that. Um, so I don't know. As a fan of basically everything Riverdale does as far as couples goes, I get convinced one way or another. So I'm excited to see what direction they go. I don't think they can wrap it up without at least dealing with Bughead once more, especially since Jughead had that moment where he remembered all those feelings and needed Tabitha to come home so that he could cleanse his mind off them. But it's I feel like the the, it, the, the board's wide clean and it's wide open now. It could go anywhere. I'd be excited to see more Bughead because at the end of the day, we're going back to high school. It's back to the beginning. You can't go back to the beginning without dealing with that. But I also have no idea how it's going to end now because I can't see past that Jughead and Tabitha moment in the finale. 
it gave endgame. Like mm-hmm. it just, or like if they go back to their regular timeline, how do you not talk about that if you end up back with Betty? Like I just don't, he would feel like his motivation is to get back with Tabitha since they spent their whole life together. I mean, we saw the babies and the, like, it was very adorable. So I think, I think they do have to at least pay attention to their, to their ships, even with, with the, um, the board being wiped clean, especially because earlier, by the way, I remember all ship things just because I'm so invested. But uh, um, in the episode in which um, Betty is like, I'm basically Kane. Um, and, and Polly was looking at her like she had lost her mind. When um, she tells her to forgive herself for, for the kiss and for falling out of love with Jughead because it happens. And I was like, oh, that's lovely. I do think Betty's out of love with Jughead. I don't think Jughead's all the way mm-hmm. out of love with Betty. I do think he really, really loves Tabitha, though. Like, I don't want to disrespect the Tabitha and Jughead relationship at all. I just don't think he's let go of that first love the way he needs to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm thinking. I don't know if I care. Now <laughs> 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 that I'm really thinking about it, I'm like, like I don't know. <laughs> do I need to see them get closure? I mean, maybe, but I'm like, it feels like everyone's moved on, except for Veronica a little mm. bit which is like curious to me because it's like it came out of nowhere yeah and that's i it would be so much easier to follow i agree with everything sabrina said but i feel like we had to talk about it before we reached that point it, this show does not make it easy to follow storylines because of the way it consistently pockets characters off in different groups when it's done with them so like veronica can go for 10 weeks without thinking about archie and then suddenly she can't think about anything but archie because that's what the story dictates and now, uh, uh, now all of a sudden, she uh, she went from feeling alone to singing that excellent number and insulting all the couples. That incredible meltdown moment. Now, like three weeks later, and suddenly she's like, "Yes, I can get you a ring for Betty Archie. Let me go find." No, it. but didn't she like roll her eyes? Her face was like, "I can't believe this man." Yeah, asked she wasn't. Me, so let's go she get wasn't this ring. Thrilled. No, I know that, but I don't feel it's for for Archie to ask her, considering the mm-hmm. fact that he knows how she felt if you know what I mean he saw that meltdown happen and well Archie I mean he's not the brightest bulb in the (laughs) the tanning bed (laughs) as Reggie told him as he was stabbing him (laughs) he's like you're not that smart and I was like I mean don't do that to Archie but he should have known something was wrong (laughs) I mean that's my that's my man I'll I'll say it first Archie's not the brightest (laughs) I mean, he's smart, like in some other ways, but his his focus isn't always there. He he sees he's he gets blinders on. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is a good can, thing. Yeah, I don't think he can tell that Veronica's feeling some kind of way. No, and she should be allowed to too, because I just remember when they were standing in front of the the fire truck, and she asked him point blank, "Is there anything left between you and Betty?" And he was like, "No." Mm-hmm. And then, but he it took him a second. And as a, there is, and she's going to be so mad when she finds <laughs> out that there's still something there. And in now they're moment, engaged. Yeah, in that moment, he was speaking his truth, I guess. Aren't you like the wind? Whichever way. <laughs> Whichever way it blows. <laughs> oh, there is one Barchi moment I want, though, in, in the 50s thing, which is so, like, I'm not even a Barchi fan. But if we're going to do homages to the first season i do want the first time he sees her is to be when he and betty are in the diner but they play a 50s song and she comes through um down the aisle in whatever 50s attire she's in and they play some really nice song i want that like everyone deserves to see that 
Mm-hmm. Wasn't she wearing a cape the first yes, time? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss season one. <laughs> oh, the aesthetic was always so good. Not that it's not good now, but they really did a lot. They did. That's why I hope the final season can do a lot again, because obviously Riverdale has always had that like golden age nostalgic look about it, but it's lost it a little over the years, especially after the time jump. Now they have a chance to really get back to basics for the final season. And I hope a lot of that's down to the look as well. Also, fingers crossed. I'm excited for it. I cannot wait until 2023 for the CW to feel like the CW because the Arrowverse shows will also be on as well. Yes. One, one last stand for the old days of the CW. I feel like 2020. No one's talking about the fall schedule of 2022. It's all about 2023. That's a pod episode all in itself. How do you manage to not have anyone excited for fall TV? <laughs> Ask the CW. <laughs> I know. We should leave Riverdale. I'm sure in the group chat we'll return because there's just so much to unpack. Mm -hmm. But now we must make our way to Horseshoe Bay for episode three. I believe it's episode three. And it's my favorite so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a really good episode. It was really good. And it has to do with its structure. Like they were genius at giving us a mystery Mm -hmm. um, in the forefront and then having that mystery give us the answers for what happened with Nick. That was just really, 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 really good. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely paid tribute to the, the whole Nazi Drew element of the show because this show is very like Riverdale in that it's aesthetically different to what you would expect a Nazi Drew show to be, just like Riverdale was aesthetically different to what you would expect an Archie comic show to be. But it, this episode was so Nazi Drew and that it had an incredibly complex mystery that kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. And yet it wasn't just like a saga of the week. It really gave answers to the overarching story as far as Nick goes and what, what his motivations were and whether he did kill her or not. And it was really nice to see like that, how it developed his relationship with Mrs. Hudson and that it wasn't what you thought. And Nancy also had her own sticks in it as well, because you were like, is she going to turn on him? Would she turn on him? And we also now knows Nancy. I said that after three episodes and you knew she wouldn't go do that, but it was still, it was an interesting through line for the episode. Um, I really like this episode and I have said just the aesthetic as well with like the storm, just the, 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 the ghost showing up in the claw this is this feels like where the supernatural territories really start at and if this is what it's like i'm really excited to see it going forward i know the one shot um i think it's for the end not to jump too far ahead but um when her dad's walking up the stairs and he Mm -hmm. feels the water on his sleeve and he looks up and we see the ghost spirit girl from the ring whatever she is and then when he looks up and she's not there i love those moments of the show and just the the score of the show the music is really good it reminds me of once upon a time a little bit so it's mm-hmm. got that like like i don't want to say spooky because once upon a time wasn't spooky but it has that like it's kind of chilling and like mm-hmm. fantasy and uh, it just works so well with this show um and it was really complicated getting those answers about nick and what happened and them all kind of like dealing with like how do we feel about this i wasn't even sure i was like this is really weird let me sit with this for a second like he didn't mean it so it was like who it's a lot it was a lot to process um but i liked nancy's reaction a lot mm-hmm. i did too i think the the way that they seated each answer um made you become more like soft like if you were someone who was like mm, i don't trust nick each step 
allows for a softening towards mm-hmm. him um, to see how much he was just failed, but also his guilt. Uh, because like you're talking about a situation in which he was protecting a friend because she was being harassed and it went, it, it went too far. I went past a way to past what he had meant it to be. And someone died. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, how do you even, cause you're not going to regret helping your friend, but you are going to regret if someone lost their life. I would, the guilt that you have to go through, then the anger over what Tiffany did, because she hadn't even seen everything. She didn't know what happened. She can only tell you what, what she saw from the, from, I guess she was on from the street. And from her perspective, she just saw uh, a boy get tossed from, um, was it two stories? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is just, I don't know. I was, I felt for, for Nick. And yeah. I felt for everybody trying to wrestle with that themselves and then how bad Nancy felt uh, about it. By the way, they're the sweetest. I'm really going to miss Nick and Nancy when they when they pivot to uh, to Nace. And I say that because I really endeared. Then mm-hmm. he's a lot like her. <laughs> I know it's confusing to me to know that it's not going to last because I'm like, what? Go- I want to know what goes wrong or like does the chemistry dry up? Do they kind of be like, oh, we're, this isn't romantic anymore. I don't know. I was just like so invested in this relationship, the temporary relationship, (laughs) (laughs) considering that like, you know, you guys know I'm not like a ship person. Like I don't watch shows for ships, but for some reason, knowing that Nancy and Ace is going to happen, it's like all I can think about in every scene. (laughs) (laughs) So when, um, Ace texts Nancy for help and Nick kind of has like a jealous moment. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. three episodes in, we're jealous. <laughs> I'm like, did, I didn't know Ace was a threat yet. <laughs> right, yeah. And no, we yeah. did say last week that were they planning it from the start all along or is this one of those situations where you see how popular something is with the fans so you try to test it out. But no, that moment felt very, very like it was building towards that long game because... Nick was kind of jealous. He had that moment where he's like, no, it's not okay that you leave, but obviously go a kind of reaction. And then the fact that like uh, AS reached out to Nancy of all people. And like, again, just highlighting how wonderful or adorable a character AS is that he didn't want to embarrass Bess. So he reached out to Nancy so that she could do it on his behalf. It was a really, really movie moment. And I do think that will play into it because it feels like of all the characters, AS was one of the easiest ones to get attached to, even though he still has that secret. We don't know about that yet but he was one of the easier ones to get attached to. And I do think that like this moment will really compliment him because it feels like it's really building towards a nice friendship between him and Bess. And I can't really, I can't wait to see how that develops as well. Same. I will say I'm actually not attached to Ace yet. I am really deep in the trenches for Nancy, of course, and Nick. Um, I'm also really warming up to, to George uh, I like Ace and Bess's friendship. Like I'm invested to see how that blossoms because it seems very sweet. But N- Nick and Nancy are my favorites. And I don't know if I am coming into this with some knowledge about Nancy Drew, not necessarily not the show, but the um how Nick and Nancy actually are canon in the books and the games. And uh so it's it's I'm like, oh, but I want them. I've always liked them in uh, the games because you would like, call Nick and he would give her some advice or like, but I will say, I wonder if they're seeding things because there are games where you call Nick and George is always there. And I'm like, girl, isn't that Nancy's boyfriend? 
Girl, why are you always there? <laughs> um, so perhaps they were doing stuff like that. Uh, I think I might like nice and nice. Yeah, I think I might like nice when it happens, but love your little heart. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I think that's a sign of a good show because yeah. you're attached to Nick and Nancy already. Yeah. yeah, I like them a lot. It's gonna be tough to watch it fall apart question mark if it if it does fall apart but i don't know i really love ace i loved i i love nick a lot i like all the characters but ace is the kind of character that i'm always really drawn to and like love he reminds me of like the brandon walsh even though brandon wasn't really a slacker but like the, just that guy with like the heart of gold he's got a little little dopey a little bit i know i love those characters so much and he's got a secret that we still have to <laughs> unveil too. I wonder how that's going to go down with the crew and why he's working with. Um, I actually don't know the rank of that police officer that just does not care for Nancy. Uh, but he, like those two are paired for some reason. I'm like, Ace, what happened? Because I know he got something on you. Mm-hmm. So what did you do? What was done to you? Who are you, are you covering for somebody? Like that's the Ace mystery that I'm, I'm interested in. I wonder if Nancy will be the one to help him out of that, because since she has such like a connection to that police officer as well, maybe it'll be up to her to help him out. I'm sure she will, because she can't mind her business. No, she can't. (laughs) (laughs) For like, depended on it. (laughs) (laughs) And for as good as she is at like sleuthing, how did she leave her white shoes stained (laughs) with red wine in her house? She's messy. Uh, uh, yeah, I, tags? I, I was going to say that. Um, we were three episodes in, and she's now zero and three with with getting caught. She let her hat get, let her monkey hat get left behind on the branches in the first episode when she was in Ryan's house. She was arrested at the Morgan episode two, and now she's left her footprints behind all in the 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 end in episode three. So, like, is the father going to find out she's up to something else in episode four? Oh, she's surely. so rusty for sure <laughs> she's I love that he like knew his child right <laughs> he knew it would but be her I like in my mind I'm like okay let's give Nancy the benefit of the doubt and she was like there's probably she probably didn't think that her dad would figure that situation out but it's still like if you see red wine on your shoe put it in the wash <laughs> well, also why were you in white shoes in the first place girl it was a storm they were really cute though they were were yeah they were oh but i do love when they give her like a moment um where she outsmarts someone so like when they got their friends to get into her car so that um so i don't remember that other police officer's name either but like when when she she thought that she was about to catch nick and nancy and i was like oh no it's ace and best and then like (laughs) there's nancy driving away all smirky (laughs) to the lilac inn that was That's Nancy's like one win for the week. But I do want to talk <laughs> yes. about Bess because when she goes to Bess's van, I guess mm-hmm. what we'll call it, um, she discovers the ring. Mm-hmm. And now she's like, oh, maybe Bess is the killer. That's not exactly where my mind goes to because I think, I, I don't think Bess would hurt a fly. Um, but I do see her finding a ring and stealing it to sell. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Especially when she needs the money. Um, yeah, but it was a great. Again, I just love Nancy's narration and the voiceover and the whole "Have I invited a murderer to stay with me?" That was a great hook because the cliffhanger itself wasn't as much of a jaw dropper considering what we know about Bass. So that was a great hook. And I think Nancy's voiceover is just 
oh, wonderful. And I don't really like Naresha. So that was, that's great. But it'll, I, I hope we get to see more of the Nazi and best dynamic uh, develop because of course they they all have their own, like uh, this, this uh, it's, there's five of them now, this dynamic between the five of them is great. But a lot of the one-on-one dynamics haven't been explored yet. And I feel like Nancy and Bess is one of them. So I can't wait to see. I hope that's kind of the basis of the next episode. I hope she, oh, she's not. She's not going to address the ring directly. I mean, we know Nancy too well by now, but I don't know how she got the ring because did Bess even go outside the night that Tiffany died? I think they all did. Like when Nancy said, um, they called for help or something. I think they all exited oh, the, the restaurant. So she might have just swiped it real quick from the side if she saw it <laughs> glinting in the streetlight. Not uh, very smart, though, because like you can't pawn a ring when it's part of a murder investigation. <laughs> I don't know. But I think Bess is a lot like Ace, where she's like, it's like great idea, but you need to think it all the way through mm-hmm. first. <laughs> I did like Kennedy's face when she saw, like, um, when Nancy noticed, because um, her face was like, of course, I cannot <laughs> trust anyone. <laughs> yeah, no no peace for Nancy. <laughs> no. She just got settled um, about Nick, and then here we go with Bess. Oh, speaking of the the uh, Nick and him telling everybody, I really like the sun coming through. Mm-hmm. as that like yeah. burden was lifted from him that was a really nice detail i really love that yeah like like his internal storm had been lifted as well it definitely felt like the ghosts were um preying upon all the conflict so when some of that had been resolved the the day got better i just love that episode the fact that the storm had such a presence in it the, these shows need those kinds of like environments and that just it played into it beautifully yeah. Oh, and George needs to go talk to her mom or somebody, whoever is, I forget who she said is in her life that knows about all this stuff. Like, girl, you got harpoons <laughs> and like every other thing trying to take you out in your own and restaurant. That, that ghost lady? Yeah. Yeah. George, you're in danger, girl. <laughs> I She's like, I don't believe in it. I, like, I really need you to because it's dangerous out here for you. I think they do, from what I remember. They they, they do explore that in George's personal life. Not to give any spoilers for my seven episodes of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to praise, I know you, you just praised Kennedy and I want to praise her acting because every time I like, I just love watching her because she's a very intentional actor. You can tell that she's thinking as her character. She's not just saying the lines and performing. She's fully in it. And anytime she's reacting to what the other person is saying, you can tell I think Sabrina, you said this last week that the the gears are moving. Like as mm-hmm. Nancy, like she's thinking, and she's not just Nancy, but Kennedy's putting things in her mind too. And I really love watching her act because it's very intentional and not in like a you can tell that she's acting way. Like the choices that she makes as, in this scene have a reason. Like she she gets this character, she is that character, and she can act with intention. And I really like that. Not to say that. Everybody else doesn't do that on the show, but just to single out her performance so far in these episodes as the title character of the show too, mm-hmm. it's really awesome to watch. And I think that's why the narration works so well because it always reflects what's very much so on her face. And she always like gives you exactly what's on Nancy's mind, regardless of whether there's dialogue or not in the scene. Of course, she's acting in silence, but the voiceover works so well with the expressions on her face. The performance is great. And I feel like 
for being such a main character in almost every scene and having to have like, I don't want to say multiple different personalities, but Nancy, is, she's been a lot all over the place, a lot with her emotions over the last couple of episodes. And you can definitely feel every single one of those performances. And I know we talked about it a minute ago, but Nancy's reaction to when Nick opened up, that was, I couldn't take my eyes away from her. It was just the, the way she reacted to, to, to the revelation. It was beautiful. Yeah, the tears that were like gathering and the, the the sadness that was coming onto her face, the more he was telling the story, how emotionally connected she is to basically everyone once they, they tell her what, what um, happened. Kennedy's so good. I mean, she's the lead. You would expect her to be so good. But like she just truly, truly is like every dynamic um, that she has with the other actors and characters is just so on point for where we are in the story. And we're only three episodes in, and the way that this cast works, it really feels like we're immersed in this story much faster than you typically get in, in mm-hmm. television. Usually there's a few uh, characters or dynamics that work, and other ones, you know, we're filling it out until about the mid-season, if not the end of the season. Um, but with this show, I just feel like we're in our shoe bay. I feel like I'm peering into um, their lives, and it's really really great i love all the different personalities how they clash how um how they mesh and that there's clearly a lot of story that we need to get to and we're not going to rush through it but we're also not going to take a snail's pace yeah the they've paced it so wisely where there's no like clunky like oh we need to have one-on-ones with these characters and make it feel awkward so they can become friends it's like they're all just like immediately immersed in their world together. And there's no other option than to be together and to do this and do it together. And I think that's really smart, even three episodes in to feel like the world is built. We're like, we're not world building. We're in the world. Yeah. And I think as far as pacing goes, that's why I'm enjoying the show so much. The first episode very much prioritized the Lucy and the Tiffany stories as though they were villain of the week or like episode of the week kind of story. And then in episode two, it kind of like wrapped that up in a way that it's not finished, but it's dealt with for now. And then in this third episode, of course, the Tiffany stuff was still at the forefront of it, but you still had the Lucy stuff in the background looming over it. And it's becoming increasingly clear that it's not just going to be wrapped up in one episode or five episodes. They're doing a great job of stretching us out and yet still telling the story at the same time the pacing has been incredible and i can't wait to see how it plays out but i'm also really enjoying the journey of watching it play out i'm not getting impatient with the way they're doing it if that makes sense as we wrap up the nancy segment i think sabrina will appreciate this reference a certain show that's a reboot that just premiered should maybe take a little notes from nancy free little liars <laughs> 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 yes i mean not to get into like pretty laura's original sin, i don't like it like it's just kind of like, <laughs> like my review says that i think I, I called it um YA thriller by numbers because it's just the pacing's not great i mean i don't love comparing shows because every show's on their own journey but like we're three episodes into both shows and i'm like here's an example of how you pace a show and here's an example of where maybe we don't need to be taking our time and they but, have a quartet yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Oh, was it a quintet? They're a quintet. Yeah, mm-hmm. we still same amount of main players. Better pacing on the CW one, and they have less time to tell their story. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> 
Uh, but it pretty little liars original sin is on HBO Max. If you have not watched it and you would like to see what this spinoff is, you can definitely do that and perhaps enjoy it. The internet is loving it. I just me, Crystal, and Asia at Fans at Entertainment <laughs> <laughs> are just like we're here. <laughs> we'll be here to the end of, of the season. Uh, but we are we are not here with with uh, Glee. <laughs> 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 Tell it like it is. I mean, there's no other way to do it. Right? Exactly, exactly. Which, you know, we might as well just segue into like the roast section then. Um, because uh, we're recording this before the Tom Smith finale. So you're not going to get a review until our next podcast, you guys. But we're still, reeling isn't the word for uh, the cancellation, like dealing with the news about the cancellation about Tom Swift, but I am upset with CW for canceling a show four episodes in, and I know it has to do with views. They're not looking great, though, because that that is the third that had a lead from the LGBTQ community, Uh, and there's no replacement right now uh, for, for them to sign, and there are characters, sure, in supporting roles, but there are no leads, so no, it's the fourth one because Naomi. Mm, of course. Fifth, fifth, 4,400, though that was an ensemble cast. Y'all aren't looking great out here. <laughs> say, this, this, is getting, this is getting progressively worse. Um, <laughs> no, this is not, it's very cliche of me to say, but no, this is not very dirty to defy CW. Um, it's, I'm glad we have a few minutes to talk about Tom Swift today because I feel like this is the beginning of what it's going to be like going forward. I really enjoy talking about this show and I don't want to stop talking about this show. But unfortunately, after next week, that's probably what we're going to have to do. Um, it's not right. Again, you, we went into all the reasons why it's not right. But this show had so much more to give. And any other year, the CW would have given it maybe one or two more chances. <laughs> it's given some shows seven chances. But this show was so important for the future, for, uh, of course, representation, diversity, everything the network stands for. It's, I sound like a broken record saying it, but like four episodes in is no kind of test for a network that's trying to move something forward into the next era. And yet it was enough for the CW to say, yeah, let's pull the plug even though they took a chance on that show's originator, Nancy Drew, and will obviously be keeping it around for another season. Why wasn't Tom Swift given the chance to build that kind of audience too? I don't know. I don't really know how to say it, and I'll think about it over the next couple of weeks before we have to bid it farewell. But on the eve of the finale, I'm not happy that we're not going to get to catch up with all these wonderful, enjoyable characters after the finale. I don't like it. Tom deserved better, Zenzi deserved better, Isaac deserved better, all of them deserved better, and I hate that we're not going to get to catch up with them again after this. And considering we know that we're getting a cliffhanger, I think I saw another tweet from the writer's room where they like posted a screenshot of like a message that they were talking, and they're like, can you believe it's going to end with this? And everyone was like freaking out. Um, it, it sucks. Um, I wish they would have given them maybe one or two two or three more episodes to wrap it up if they knew they were going to cancel. I know that's not really traditional. And once you do that for one show, you kind of, that sets a weird precedent, but it's just not an easy way to create when you're making a show and you have to prepare for a season to possibly be the only season. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I commend them for if it's a cliffhanger that does not wrap up any of the stories i commend them for doing that because like why would you assume your first season would be your only season um 
but it just sucks that they don't have the chance to tell the full story, even just one story. Like they don't get to tell one story, more or less six seasons worth of story, but it sucks to see it go, especially so soon. And with Nancy coming. I know it, I, the CW didn't do what it needed to do in order to make this show feel, you know, as if it belonged in the lineup. I mean, it putting it behind Superman and Lois wasn't a, wasn't a great idea. And then running reruns of Superman and Lois ahead of it after they finaled, um, and went on their hiatus. And like we, you'd said it like what three different pods now should have been with Dynasty. <laughs> Uh, or should have been held until Nancy was coming back. Mm. Uh, which I, I guess they did not do that because Nancy is coming in 2023. But the like the decision to put Tom Swift uh, as a May 31st uh, release, I remember that came out of nowhere. I think it was like a month ahead of, of uh, when it was going to drop and it blindsided everybody because everyone thought that it was going to be paired with its parent show because that makes the most sense. And but we were here for it, and then it just never picked up the audience that it should have because it just was not in a slot that you think it it, it would be in. And then of course, when you cancel a show four episodes in and it has ten episodes, they're like, "Oh, the the numbers are are not hot." It's like, "Well, yeah, it's canceled now." Mm-hmm. But as soon as someone hears something's canceled, regardless of how good the the fans of it are, the how much they enjoy it, they're not tuning in for what, especially when you find out it has a cliffhanger. Why deal with the hurt if you weren't even watching to begin with? Yep. It just takes the wind out of yourselves because like we had this episode, this show has been on for what, nine episodes. And half of that, we had all this excitement about, yay, what's the show going to do? Can't wait to see what happens next. And then the other half of that, we've literally been talking about it retroactively. Like it's already over. Like it, would it have killed them to wait until the end of the series to cancel it? If they were going to, or at least give it another chance, obviously is what the outcome we were hoping for. It just, a show had four weeks of life before it was killed. Like no show should have only four weeks of life unless it's a four part miniseries. Um, it deserved better than that. And I feel like if we have to sum up the CW in 2022 in a sentence, it, we could literally just say it deserved better than that about every single one of its properties. And I hate that we have to add Tom Swift to the pile. I did too. And CW is still pushing the series finale angle. So um, I, at this point, I'm going to say talks have probably broken down. I haven't heard anything like on the Twitter accounts for, for um, the Towns of Writers Room or for Cameron J- Johnson, the showrunner, on whether or not they're still shopping it. It's been quiet out here. Uh, so I'm assuming like we are, it is really a series finale. Um, I'm going to once again request the lookbook. He said he'd see what we could do about that. I will probably be in his mentions <laughs> asking about it um, since we are in a series finale. Um, and we'll just have to accept it. I don't like it, um, but I don't think this is a show. I don't know of a, I've been hashtag save Tom Swift during the live tweets, but I think they have decided they're not going to do a thing. So Yeah, I mean, if none of the other shows that were canceled by the CW got picked up, I don't know why it would happen for the last one to get canceled. Not to be Mm -hmm. pessimistic, just being a little realistic. I don't know. I still in my heart wish that they would have kept the show as like, at the very least, like an anthology event series. Like another season would be like a self-contained story, Tom Swift and the something, something. And then we get 10 episodes of 
another mystery. Like that would be a fun way to bring it back. And maybe not every single season, maybe like, well, I don't know, once a year, like a Netflix show or something. Mm-hmm. I See, I have it. ideas, CW. I have ideas. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've been talking like about limited series forever. Having an anthology series shaped around Tom Smith, CW. That people Again. actually like. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I guess. Please make us your, cons- uh, like, we can be your consultants, CW. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't even be angry if the mole ran this one up the flagpole. <laughs> I know. Mole, if you're listening, since you always seem to be listening. We have a mission for you, Bestie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, with that, we shall end this pod. Uh, we will toast, though, uh, surviving Riverdale season six. Cheers. Y'all, I'm proud of us. Like, yes, Woo, we did it. <laughs> we made it through. And it actually turned out not so bad by the end. The irony, right? Yeah. <laughs> Riverdale in a nutshell. No, but we made it to the end. It was a it was an enjoyable ride, one with plenty of criticism along the way. But I really enjoyed how it ended, and I don't want to I don't want to lose that because it's very easy to talk about Riverdale and criticize it. The last three episodes were awesome. The the finale set up a very interesting final season. And not that I ever was, not that my faith was ever wavering, but like that finale has ensured I will be back for season seven. And let, let, let's go out on the most bonkers high you could imagine but for now thank you Riverdale season 6 for what was an <laughs> yeah, unforgettable been, adventure <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying since like season 3 that like I'm with the show to the bitter end like there was nothing they could have done like I if I was here this long they would have had me till season 9 glad that's not the reality but <laughs> I find myself even though I was like so back and forth with this season I find myself back in a place where I just like have a deep love for this show mm-hmm. it's like the show that it's like your little brother it annoys you but you love it so much um <laughs> I don't have a little brother but I imagine that's what it's like <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah anytime I see somebody criticizing like even like Cheryl's moment that we loved um I'm like you didn't see it in context you don't know it stop right. no shut up it's <laughs> <laughs> my show <laughs> But like, it's, I mean, I know that it's can't be ridiculous. I just have a deep love for the show and all of it's crazy. All of the wacky lines that I see on No Context Riverdale. I just, I love it. I can't wait for it in 10 years. I say this a lot, but I can't wait in 10 years for everyone to be like, oh, that was a classic. Oh yeah, yeah that's definitely happening. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually, I mean, as off the wall as it is, if you've watched it, like, and not hate watched it, but watched it, it's actually pretty brilliant. Like it's mm-hmm. actually pretty amazing. I mean, it has its moments uh, in season six. It had a lot of its moments, but like they always do manage to make you believe in the show again by the end of the season. And they understand the tone of the show. They know the show that they're making, even though they don't always know what they're doing. Like they know mm-hmm. what the show is that they're making. And I think that's where a lot of the disconnect is that people don't understand that. Like, yeah, it's supposed to be this ridiculous. Yeah. It's so <laughs> stupid, but at the same time, they know that there, there, is, there is a cleverness about that. And I think it doesn't get commended for that enough. And so we're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so like, like, so cheers to Riverdale season six and Riverdale as a whole series. And Cannot I want to toast to the cast because I know that yes. a lot of people get on to the cast about like, Oh, they want to get off of the show. But I, I think that as much as, I'm sure that six years into anything, you kind of hit that like itch where you're like, oh, 
Um, but I do think they have a deep love for each other, their characters mm-hmm. and the show. Just from like the quotes that Roberto has said about talking to them about season seven, they seem legitimately excited to end the show the right way. And I, I commend them for one, dealing with people who are in their comments saying stuff like that. And two, for delivering the camp and all the fun that we've wanted and needed from the show for six, seven seasons. Um, cheers to them and Madeline. Yes. specifically yes <laughs> <laughs> yes 2023 see you soon for riddle season seven cannot wait which i didn't think i would say that yeah. by the end of season six <laughs> but i really cannot wait you know excited but glad to have a, a rest yeah yeah <laughs> we need the break <laughs> that is nessa <laughs> yes all right uh that's it for this week's pod we're the cw spiral i'm sabrina i'm michael and i'm reed Bye, y'all.